0: Hello, I'm Clara White and joining me is Kyle Willoughby, Yay! and James Fowey, hey. <laughs> and <laughs> this is not the best way, the most positive way to intro our podcast.
1: I'm, I'm just kidding, I like
0: James. This is Dragon, Sexy Robots and Adventures, A Nerd Manual. We are here to discuss new nerd creations, how they were made, and explore the roots of the characters and the stories. And today we have a very special episode. Not only are the three of us on for the very first time together. Madness! I
1: know, this is going to be crazy. We're
0: all very cozily tucked into a closet. Um, me especially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we are also talking about our favorite topics of 2018. Now, no,
1: 2017.
0: Oh, yeah, because it is 2018, 2018, so we're talking about our favorite topics of 2017.
2: Best of, we looked forward, now we're looking back. Now, yeah, we're, looking. now we're looking back on
1: 2017.
0: So these might not necessarily be our favorite episodes, because some of the my favorite episodes were actually from my least favorite topics, Um, But these are the things that over the course of the year we enjoyed the most. And I think, Kyle, you were saying that a lot of people will come up to us and say that they don't listen to episodes of material that they haven't watched or read.
1: Even though we don't spoil, we never spoil. But I do get that.
0: I I get that, too. So maybe this can be inspiration to go watch and read these wonderful topics and then you can listen to that episode. Yeah.
2: Maybe it'll be all watching. Maybe all of our favorites were all movies.
0: <laughs> I guess.
1: Now we all ha- we all picked a top three of our favorite topics for today that we're gonna discuss a little. And we also made trivia questions to ask the other two in the closet with us about our favorite our top three topics. We each have one question
0: per, to- per topic. How much were we paying attention? Yeah. Slash listening, slash I'm totally gonna fail this quiz. I'm
1: always looking over at Claire when I'm yapping on about the Mongols or whatever, and she's just on her phone tweeting or whatever it is you do over there, Yes, Claire, that's
0: exactly what I'm doing.
1: Shopping on Amazon.
0: <laughs> not Amazon, Kyle. And
1: and who knows it's what- on the real, real. Who knows what James is doing out there when we're recording? Mm. Sometime, I'm pretty sure it's not listening. That's all I know.
2: I often dream of a better life. <laughs> Why did I agree to, to produce this? It's been, it's been two years now.
0: So a year and a half. So we are going to start with our... It's going to go in ascending order. So our, we're working towards our favorite topic. Mm. Yes. Um, our third
2: most favorite of 2017.
0: Exactly. And then at the end, we will ask the trivia questions. And each topic, we get one question for. Mm. So, James, do you want to start us off with your third favorite topic?
2: Oh, my goodness. It's so much pressure to begin. <laughs> I just got here. James. <laughs> oh, wow. I think,
0: I think you can handle it.
2: <laughs> uh So, I don't know if anybody else picked this. I thought there was a chance that Claire would... Actually, I don't know. I think you both really liked it, but I bet it isn't in your top three. My third most favorite thing that we covered in 2017 was Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and art by Sana Takeda. It is beautiful and magnificent, and it's one of those things that... uh, Well, they talked about it on the episode that we saw it... um, At Comic Con. At New York Comic Con. At New York Comic Con, not this past year but the year before. And what a thing to have someone's art fill the screen and just the whole room in awe. And it's right. And and a screen that had been filled with
0: art. Yes. Yes. Other other Artist work was up there and <laughs>
2: and it's like no this is better i'm sorry guys we're all here you're professionals you're talented look at you sitting on a comic-con panel it just so happens that one of you yeah oh my goodness is able to do this so just visually looking at it uh, immediately found it compelling I-, I said this before but i wasn't on the episode but i immediately looking at monsters and reading those comics was like this is an anime i also want to watch that I would immediately get into I would immediately get into this video game I just I want to be in this world which is a really amazing thing for the art to do considering how dark the story is that it's so beautiful that I want to spend time in this place where I'm going to get my feelings hurt that that's just a part of the story yeah
1: yeah you know it's going to be an awesome story when in the first trade of of the of the comic At one point, the main character has a flamethrower and just burns someone alive. Right. I knew it was going to be awesome from there.
0: (laughs) It has a little something for everyone. Yes. (laughs) I knew it was awesome because it reminded me of YA stories that I love, but just done at the highest level with amazing art with it.
2: Yeah. Fantasy. It's it's a fantasy steampunk. Yeah. It's all the things. Um, But, oh. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we, we if you wanted to talk more about monstrous. How I much...
0: might later. <laughs> oh,
2: really? <laughs> oh really?
1: See, yeah, I thought see, it. That was one of my honorable mentions, but I actually didn't pick, pick it. it. But I did. I did. Yeah, we that.
0: all. It was something we all just loved. It's and it's a funny thing because you say it's made for you, but I was reading it saying this is written for girls. Like yeah. this is for this is a comic for me. It's also
1: something the three of us discovered exactly at the same time. Mm-hmm. Being in that that image Comic Con panel at yeah. uh, New York Comic Con with Sana Takeda being there. So we all s- experienced it right a- right away and we're like, oh, we need to do this or we need to look into this because this looks so cool.
0: Oh, it's so cool. We'll talk about it more.
2: Which is why you guys in the Oathbringer podcast, I remember you saying like that thing of, oh, this is why we have a podcast together. Yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. there are core things that we connect on. It's like that's another one where it hits everybody.
0: Kyle, what is your number three?
2: My number three is a little it's
1: it's a little strange and I'd forgotten that we did it until I saw it and actually I just I recently remembered about the show and I was like oh yeah this this is amazing it is Ash versus Evil Dead called it yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and and another another like reason I really wanted to bring it up is because it's the first at least the first season is and maybe both seasons are now on Netflix if you have Netflix you can watch it before it was stars and I know like stars is is not one of those ones that everyone has. But if most people who have streaming video services have Netflix. And First Things on Netflix, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It is the most fun I think I've had in a long time watching a TV show. It's super silly. Bruce Campbell is a force of nature. And it is gross and gory, but it's gross and gory in a comical way. It's not, I feel like...
0: I I actually don't like zombies very much i don't like horror yeah. um but i did enjoy this it, it's something that is so not my genre and then seeing it and being oh then this is actually done so well that i'm enjoying it
2: yeah, you can't not have fun in it yeah. i don't even like what's a, uh, the first movie that this is the based evil on? dead yeah. yeah evil the evil dead i didn't like the evil dead i did what's the second one evil dead 2 <laughs> no, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Dead Two. I got more of, and I feel like the show is well, more. Well, because they start
0: leaning Dead more 2. into the humor in Evil Dead Two. Yeah, I am grateful that I watched them though, because I feel like it was always pieces of culture that I didn't have a reference for that were constantly being referenced in either movies or conversations. Yeah,
2: in a in a little improv uh, game that I was playing with some friends, I was able to reference the Necronomicon. And I You felt, felt like uh, a true nerd? Yes, yes. Look how culturally literate I am.
0: Yes, everyone's impressed.
1: The third yeah. movie, Army of Darkness, is the best of the three movies. Which, which
0: is you, you the one that see. I didn't we see.
2: We still need to watch. I also I want to just tag on to something that Kyle said. Uh, just Bruce Campbell's charisma as yeah. that character, to exist in that world and make it so that you want to ride with him that way and <laughs> that you enjoy him, even though he's not even a great a
1: guy? Oh, yeah. he's far from a great guy. Also,
0: movie. how much better he got at acting when you watch the first movies? <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, when he's a kid? Yeah. Yeah, because he is. He's like right but out he, of he, high But right he says. Of, he, they're in college or maybe right out of college in that first movie. Yeah, he yeah. says he was a bad actor. Yeah, but he got good.
0: So I'm going to move us along Mm. to my third favorite. And before I mention what it is, I want to talk about Longinus and his essay. I think it's his essay, On the Sublime. Mm. And he uses it in the context of poetry, where instead of making grand persuasive claims, um, he believes poetry should seek to uh, transport audiences out of themselves. And he doesn't quite give examples of this, but he describes it as... um, The sublime comes rather as a well-timed flash or a bolt of lightning that shatters everything and reveals the power of the speaker. And when I watch art or read art or do anything, I feel like what I'm really seeking is that moment of sublime. And I learned this in a dramatic literature class, I believe. Dramatic criticism. We were in it together, James and I, in college. And I always think of art like, is it sublime? So what I the my third favorite topic
2: Can I just add on to that too because the other idea that I, I took from that class which is so powerful for me also from Longinus is that it is more important for a piece of art to have moments of the sublime than it is for the work to be flawless.
0: Yes, that is a good point Like what I my reference to it always is History of the world a Mel Brooks's movie yeah where it is not a perfect movie. However, that Inquisition song, is so sublime that it just kind of (laughs) it's worth watching the movie and it doesn't have to be i mean it's sublime can be obviously very serious but i think it applies in comedy as well just thinking of
1: mel brooks as achieving sublime
0: (laughs) he does i believe that he does
2: at his best so (laughs) what
0: i'm talking about i don't think is perfect i think there are a lot of flaws however the moments of the sublime in this movie which i'm sure you can guess is wonder woman uh, are so worth yes, it. And yes. I think I talked about this in the podcast where a lot of times I'll when a movie bugs me, like when I leave a movie, I'll actually start thinking of the things that I didn't like more than the things that I like, and I'll dislike it more and more over the course of time, which I don't know if that's a healthy way of thinking. However, with Wonder Woman, there were definitely parts of it that annoyed me. The the big bad is very frustrating because it's just a typical basic big bad. Yeah. However, I liked it more and more, like even with more distance between me and the movie. And when the Amazons are riding on the beach and they are coming to fight those German soldiers (laughs) and it's a it's a fight scene. I've seen so many fight scenes. I like action movies, but that this was directed by a woman just painting women looking just so wonderful. I, I get emotional when I think about that. And then when she's walking out of the trench, I mean, this is in all of the trailers And she is so good, and she's doing it to protect the people that she feels that she needs to protect. It was just such a wonderful moment that I'd never seen before on the screen. I -hmm. can't think of another movie that has ever done that, Uh, as far as the like in the context of a woman
2: revealing the power of the speaker. In this case, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. (laughs) Yeah, in the sublime.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. What's great
2: about it lasts more than what's bad about it. It's true. It makes a greater impact. It's more important. And
0: that, it opens the doors for so much.
2: It does. That's the honest if we were doing a a list of top three topics that I am most grateful for, <laughs> then I think Wonder Woman would have made it because it's a
0: Yeah. Well, I was there are other pieces of art that overall I enjoyed more, like the whole experience of it, but I just loved those moments so much that it cancels out everything else.
2: Right. And it's a big deal that that movie was that good, especially for Warner Brothers, DC Extended for, Universe.
0: Especially for Marvel, especially for anyone.
2: Yeah, for it. the show that
1: that it can be done, A, eh? Which I think is something that we all should have known anyway that you could have... A female superhero lead and have a successful movie.
0: I never but, doubted that, but when we were doing our episode on it, I realized that it never happened.
1: Yeah, that it had never happened in a superhero movie, and how inundated we are with superhero movies right now, it's shocking. And good on Warner Brothers for letting Patty Jenkins do her thing oh my on that movie. Because I feel like if they could have suicide squatted it, you know? Yeah, they could have. Mm-hmm. Which they're not known for. Wait, which is Suicide Squad? They came in and they made them yeah, make all these changes. Committee.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, they're not. That's not what they're known for. They're known for letting directors do their own thing. And Patty Jenkins, it's funnily enough, was supposed to direct the second Thor movie, but didn't because you know she would have had to adhere to the Marvel Disney guidelines, and she was like, no, I want to tell my own story, which really helps us in the end because we got Wonder Woman out of it.
2: Now sometimes it doesn't help us because you say. Zack Snyder's our man. <laughs> we have full faith in him. You do whatever you want, well, and we'll keep hiring you.
0: Speaking of, the way that Wonder Woman is shot in Patty Jenkins' movie versus the way she's shot in the Justice League makes you just appreciate it all that much more. I don't think there was a single ass shot in Wonder Woman.
2: No. no. Why,
0: why would they? No. You don't need yeah. it.
2: No. However, also, the Amazons weren't dressed in bikinis, in no. Wonder Woman. In yeah. Wonder Woman. They were wearing armor. What's gross about it, too, for Justice League is that he had already seen Wonder Woman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. You could have cut those shots out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were developed. It was like one after another. She did Wonder yeah. Woman and then she went to Justice League. I think League. Justice
0: League had mostly been shot by the time Wonder Woman came out. Really?
2: No, yeah. but I, not just came out. I'm saying that one, it, the filming order. Mm-hmm. That if you have communication, yeah. you know, this gets into Warner Brothers' problem, though, that nobody's at the head. Nobody's well, well, that, it just, but now
0: yeah, they're yeah. moving in that direction of just let the director do their thing, probably because of the success of Wonder Woman. And not
2: connect yeah. it, and maybe if you've got a great Wonder Woman, it doesn't have to get marred by somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah. James, what's your number two?
2: My number two, I guess the order is helping me so that I, I can get to these things. My number two is The Witchwood Crown. And it's not because of The Witchwood Crown. Written by Tad Williams. Oh, written by Tad Tad Williams. Williams. It's a fantasy book written by Tad Williams that came out last year. And it was a sequel to his series that really launched him as a big fantasy author in the early 90s, um, Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn. And I'm picking The Witchwood Crown because as part of the lead up to that, to do our proper research for the podcast, I read... Memory, sorrow, and thorn. And there's two things there. One, that it's a it is a great fantasy series that I had missed growing up. And so I got to live in that world, and I don't know that there's any medium I uh, prefer. Uh, for experiencing art to living in a novel for a few days where that's just all I'm in. Yeah, it's the best. So in this world that I wanted to be in with people I wanted to be with that I was scared for that I cared about um, with complex characters in a world that reflected the complexities of ours without making uh, everybody just awful people, which is sometimes how people decide to reflect our world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Oh, it's dark and gritty. Now you know it's real. No, because there are good people. We all know good people yeah. <laughs> who are competent and are trying to do the right thing and are against competent evil people. <laughs> 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 that's what I want to see. So anyway, Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn has that. It has so many things, but the what I'm saying that the two big things, one, it's that, just enjoying it as a fantasy series, but one of the reasons it's my favorite topics is that... I get to see how we get to modern fantasy from Tolkien by reading those books. That's true, it's a bridge. And in the episode, you guys talked about that, about how, okay, everybody grows up reading Tolkien for a generation and they write fantasy based on that. But then there's a group of people that grow up reading Tad Williams. And now you know, and seeing even as I was reading it, the connection both to Tolkien and to Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah. You know, to George the, R. R. Martin, because these books yeah, yeah. are partially what inspired George R. R. Martin to write Game of Thrones, and that is something I enjoyed about our topics this year is I felt like we were really exploring the history of written high fantasy.
1: Yeah, we did. I mean, with between Tad
2: Williams, Brandon Sanderson, Anderson. and Tolkien, we kind, we kind of did all three of those years. Yeah,
0: and it was year, great.
2: So. Yes. Why are we where we are? And that's one of the things I love about our podcast is that it it at well, ideally it places art in context mm-hmm. the things that we love of nerd art of nerd culture we're able to see where in the conversation if we hit a fall.
0: moment of sublime <laughs> <laughs> we place it in nerd context exactly. yeah. um, now I, I really enjoyed those books too James me too Kyle is the one who I remember in January this year you're like we're doing these books start reading them so now read them
1: now because I'm very excited yeah I this is I I was worried this would be seen as kind of a heresy on this podcast Maybe with with Claire, but I enjoyed The Witchwood Crown more than I'm enjoying Oathbringer, which is the new Brandon Sanderson book.
2: Kyle is an insane person. <laughs> I'm an in, I guess I'm an insane person, but I I
1: don't know. I and I was shocked by I was shocked by it as you are because I flew through the other yeah. uh, the two previous Sanderson books, but
0: I think it's also when you're reading them. This is true. And the context and yeah. where you are in your life. Yeah,
1: where your headspace when you read a book.
0: But Kyle, what's your number two?
1: My number two is actually, I think, gonna be a little, a little bit of a shocker for you guys. Um, I was not on this episode because I was in Korea. I picked the fifth season by Page Emerson, and and uh, I was really bummed that I didn't get to talk about it. And actually, when there was a bit of confusion, I thought I was supposed to do history, and I was like, I'm gonna talk about. Super volcanoes, or something, you know. I was really excited about that. And then James and Claire were like, first, you're not doing history. Second, you should talk about racism if you were. And then I was like, ah, oh, yeah, you're right, actually.
2: Maybe it's better that I didn't get to do the episode. But the. Ms. I, Jefferson, would you say that you're inspired in writing your books more by super volcanoes, volcanoes or, or systemic or grap- racism? Yeah. What are you grappling with? <laughs> to be fair,
1: that's. If you read the book, it's that that could be a tough call. There are a lot of it's super not a tough volcanoes. call. Folks.
2: <laughs> read the books. It's not a tough call.
1: Anyway, um, <laughs> I think if I had to if I had to pick books that I've I've read this year, that first fifth season book, the fifth season, mm-hmm. is probably my favorite. I think that book is a masterpiece. Of course, it won the Hugo. It's like writing gymnastics, which she does there. Yeah, Telling...
0: second-person point of view. She
1: tells us she, there's there's a first-person POV, there's a second-person PO, POV, and there's a third-person POV in the book. And they, they eventually they all kind of come together. But I really loved that first book. And the second book was also really good, and I, and I think the third book finished extremely strong. And I loved the science... Mm-hmm. And and the actual geology behind it, I think, was really cool. It's fantastic world building.
0: Yeah. And also, we were talking about on the podcast, I had never seen anything like this before. Um, the way she, like, combines the geology with the magic yeah. and the world. Like, we've seen post-apocalyptic worlds before, but then post-apocalyptic fantasy.
1: Yeah. Yes. It's something that you don't see as much. And And just what you said, like, the combination of science with the magic is really what
2: did it for me for those books. I was like, this is super Because cool. it's definitely science fiction. Yeah.
0: I know we're talking about our podcast a lot here, but the reason that I love it is that I am forced to ingest this material. Yeah. And not that I wouldn't have read this book, but it was like, no, you have to read it by this time, so start now. And I read it, and I, I'm so grateful.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Because Tad Williams and Brandon Sanderson were books that I was going to read anyway. So getting to do the fifth season and having to read it, even though I didn't actually record that episode with you guys, I was like, wow, I feel like I discovered a new author who I'm going to look forward to releases in the
2: future. Mm-hmm. Which actually also, just a little side thing, uh, is part of the importance of the Hugos. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. And that's the part of the importance. I know sometimes people rag on awards and what do they mean, but I, at, at their best, an awards ceremony lets everybody know, hey... Check out this person. Check out this person. It's an able to shine a light on people who are doing art that should be recognized, and she's one of those people who she's. I don't think a lot of people on the street know who N.K. Jemisin is. Yeah. But if you're trying to find the best science fiction and fantasy, you're going to come written across right now. And yeah. yeah. N.K. Jemisin. Yeah. Also, I do want to say, um, in Kyle's defense about why he thought supervolcanoes were so important to the book. There was a social media campaign against Super Volcanoes. There was. At the time was. that N.K. Jemison was writing it that influenced her a lot. It was very powerful.
1: Stop Krakatoa, it yeah. was called, I yeah. believe.
0: So I'm going to come on to me. <laughs> <laughs> and my number two is Monstrous. Hey. Yeah, I um, figured. Yeah, it, I just, I actually, the more I think about it, the more I think it is my favorite comic. Just hands down, I can't think of another comic that I feel is written more for me that I enjoy more. It has elements of YA, fantasy. um, Steampunk. Steampunk.
2: Which is a bit sci-fi. Badass
0: women. And it's a world dominated by women. And you don't even, I didn't even think about it. You know, like when a man shows up, it is a novelty. And I didn't even think about that. You know, it's just women run the world. Some of them are horrible. A lot of them are. It's still pretty dark. Super dark. But I, I loved just the story, the aesthetic. I mean, we've talked about it already.
2: Yeah, but uh, there were things that I held back saying because I knew we were going to talk about it some more.
0: (laughs) What did Uh, you want to say, James?
2: What I wanted to say was, and it's, it's great now because we've also talked about the fifth season. Something I noticed in the fifth season, which is also great, there are powerful women in the fifth season all over the place. And a lot of times in that trilogy, you have decisions being made by groups of powerful women. And for me, I noticed that. There were moments in that book where a decision was being made that was... In
0: Monstrous or fifth season? No,
2: in fifth season where I was like, there's not a single man in this room while this conversation's taking place. Wow. But I noticed the absence of men. And I noticed that like, oh, we're going to decide the fate of everything and there's not a dude in the room who has a say.
0: Sounds just about right.
2: (laughs) No, but it's funny because it is a reverse of a situation that women are forced to read all the time Mm -hmm. and also witness in life. Um, With Monstrous, I didn't notice which to me is even crazier because it's visually represented Yeah, that's that true. somehow this story is told in such a way where I'm never even noticing, hey James, you don't have any guys that you're attached to yeah. or rooting for during this and I it doesn't even matter, which to me is almost like a magic trick being performed on me when you consider how how much of it is visual Mm-hmm. Uh, as
0: well. And we do ingest so much culture on this podcast and especially we're always trying to read the back material. So like we're doing Witchwood Crown, we're reading three huge fantasy books to try and, four. you know, four to, uh, get in everything that we, you know, to, but uh, what did I say? To prepare. Yeah. To prepare. Yeah. Um, so Monstrous is one of the few pieces of material that when the next trade came out, I read it right away. Like, it was a priority of mine to read Monstrous, and it's just as good. And for anyone who uh, might think that they might like this, I'm sure you can get it from your local library. It's not a huge commitment. It's not, no. You
2: Google image some of the covers and just some of the art. I think that's the first step. And also, oh, this is the other... I'm glad we're bringing up Monstrous again that you picked it because I talked so much about the art. Marjorie Liu's a great writer of Mm -hmm. this comic, and... The, she does a wonderful world building that at the end of the comic, sometimes there's little classes where the many-tailed s- cat sages... Love the cat sages. Yeah. The cat sages are And
0: this best. is the thing. It's a dark comic, but there are cat sages. They're cat oh,
2: they're sages, talking cats, and they are cute. Yes. They yeah.
0: are. <laughs> I know, and the comic is also cute. And, and deadly. They're,
2: and deadly. Look, if you ever run into a six-tailed cat with an eye patch who's got a couple flintlock pistols and some swords... Walk away. Walk away. Don't trifle with them. Don't trifle with them. Anyway, no, but I just, so at the end of the story, sometimes they'll have classes where a bunch of sage kittens are being (laughs) taught by this talking sage cat. And you get to learn with the kittens about the world of this
0: this, comic. We're calling it sublime art.
2: Yeah, it is though. But it is. It is. And it'll hurt your feelings.
0: James, on that note, what is your number one? I think I know what it is.
2: I think you do too.
0: Can we guess? Yes. Oathbringer?
2: That's right. And I want to take back immediately what I said about Kyle being an insane person for thinking Witchwood <laughs> Crown is better. Um that that is a matter of taste. For me, it's uh, Stormlight Archive is why I read New Fantasy. It's why I'm not rereading I the think Lord he's of
0: the crying a little bit. I'm not <laughs> crying.
2: Everyone, I'm not crying. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Maybe he's he's getting a little bleary-eyed, but he's not crying. Denying it makes it sound like I'm crying. (laughs) Um, No, but uh, the reason that, um, you know, I'm not just sitting rereading my old favorite fantasies over and over again, even though I occasionally do, uh, is because people like Brandon Sanderson are occasionally coming out with books like this. Um, I can't even... (sighs) There's almost too much to get into about why... (laughs) I love Oathbringer like I do and why it stands out to me, but um, we already gave credit for these things to uh, Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda and to N.K. Jemisin, but tremendous world building, uh, a world that has been mapped out over thousands and thousands of years, uh, where the way that the weather has shaped the world uh, is felt in people's everyday lives, where there are is a great diversity of cultures Um, where it represents all the people of the world and all the different hues and shapes that we take, uh, all the different languages and cultures, multiple historical influences, and all interacting with each other and changing one another based on the history of this world, Um, a magic system that is like a science system and how rigorous... Uh, it is detailed, and in the way that we, it, like in science and real life, are always learning more about yeah, and it. And
0: how it's a part of the story.
2: And it's a part of the story. Like when they
0: make scientific discoveries, it furthers the plot.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. It is not uh, and not, not that there's anything wrong with what I learned from our podcast. is called soft magic systems, where it's more mysterious. Um, but this has rules, even if you don't know all of them yet and it makes it really compelling. Now also, for moments of the the sublime, where there are moments where characters, and this gets into the other thing that is, I'm a sucker for it, is spiritual development and consequences. That people have arcs that are about where they are in their soul. And that is connected to the power and impact that they can have on the world. in a a world that is filled with the kind of suffering that our world has. And yet there are good people. And anyway. uh,
0: So you're on the fence about it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm on the
2: fence about it. I'm on the fence about it. I can't. All I want to do, I wish I was reading Oathbringer right now. That's where I'm at. And I don't, like the other things that I mentioned, I don't have the feeling that I wish I was inside them right now. Mm. Um, When I was picking my favorites, I thought if Oh, if I hadn't finished *Oathbringer*, I'd be reading it right now. Yeah. If I hadn't finished it at this moment, I'd be reading it right yeah, and, now. And
0: you, you did commit to reading *Oathbringer* like it was your job. I
2: did. I did. <laughs> it's like that's where I want to go. Brandon James Sanders. Fre- James
0: freelances. Works from home. And
2: so I can decide, you know what? It's not important to record today. That's not... Um, I'm <laughs> reading this book. Yeah, I know. I just I just ran on a lot about it, but I love it, love it, love it. It's my favorite thing that happened all of last year, which is also incredible considering I was looking forward to it all year. And yeah. for me, it lived up to it. For years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kyle, on that note, what's your number one? I Wait, we get to guess it.
2: You want to guess it?
0: Yeah. I'm between two.
2: Uh, can I, Oh, then I'll guess first. Sure. Or
0: no? I, I think it... Okay, go ahead.
2: I'm guessing The Expanse.
0: No. It's either Blade Runner or it's uh, Baron and Luthien.
2: It's Blade Runner. (laughs) The Expanse was
1: my honorable mention. I I had Expanse in number two originally, but then I went and I was like, "Uh, actually, I think fifth season was better. Um, and wow. So I, I put Fifth Season in instead of Expanse for number two.
2: That's but incredible, because yeah. I didn't get to watch him read Fifth Season. I got to watch him watch The Expanse. So yeah. he loved Fifth Season, though. I did. The Expanse
1: is an honorable mention. But, uh, yeah, man, it's Blade Runner 2049, and I know I'm going to get hate from both <laughs> of you for this, but screw you. You don't understand art or cinema. <laughs> no, the, the,
2: the critics agree, at least some of them.
0: A lot of critics agree.
1: Um, I freaking... Love that movie! It's my favorite movie of twenty seventeen. I think that um, I think that um, Roger Deakins is going to get an uh, Oscar for the cinematography this year, which no, is no. He sure deserves that. Soon. It's
0: a beautiful movie. Yes, he does. It uh, is
2: visually stunning.
1: I really like the way that Denis Villeneuve directs movies. Uh, Ryan Gosling's performance in it, I thought, was amazing. I I know that. See, I I I read a, a interview with Denis Villeneuve when they asked him about like his portrayal of women in his movie and he came down hard he's like look you know it's I'm trying to portray dark world maybe that's why people thought that you know like I had sexist undertones in my movie but if I've directed eight movies um seven of them the lead role has been played by women so this is like his first movie where the lead role was a guy and I, don't, I just freaking love it. And I want to go back and... Li- you're talking about living in worlds. I want to live in that Blade Runner world. Or I don't want to, but I love watching it. I mean, it's a dark, crappy, sad world. I love the relationship that Kay has with Joy, his hologram girlfriend. I thought it was magical. The, thi- the thing is,
0: I didn't love it. However, I understand where you're coming from. Like, having seen it, it... Just hit me in the wrong way.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But when you described it to me, how you enjoyed it, I get it. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way too many times.
2: I want to say in Denis Villeneuve's defense uh, about, you know, he did seven films, he had the female lead... And then in this eighth movie, like, hey, you got to give me the benefit of the doubt. I would say I can usually go seven days without being a vulgar, lewd chauvinist.
0: <laughs> on the eighth day,
2: it gets rough. It gets, it, really, it gets rough. really rough. It's really rough. It's very day. Uh, traditional
0: on that eighth day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's it's, a good excuse.
2: No, I'm just, um, I'm kidding. It's just, I know it. I, it's something I didn't notice as much until Claire brought it up. I did have feelings where there are moments in that movie where women are naked or being hurt that I don't understand why it's being done this way, (laughs) you know, where it seems like we're indulging in something that I occasionally, not even occasionally see an anime that does not represent the best of anime. And so when I see it in that sci-fi context, I'm like, Oh, you're doing this kind of thing. Right. You know, I've seen this before. Like,
0: yes, but I, I know plenty of women who had no feelings that way about the movie, who loved the movie. So again, it's, I I mean, like, I was just talking to this girl yesterday who hated Lady Bird. And was making all of these points about why it was a bad movie. And it was, like, I agree with none of your points. And I think you completely saw this movie wrong, but I think it's how you see it on the day, how it hits you. And maybe the first note strikes you as off, and it influences the way you see the rest of it. I'm not saying that my points aren't valid, um, but we're celebrating what we like.
1: We are. Yes. We're not going to tear it down. <laughs> I I talked to a a, a pretty femi- outspoken feminist friend about the latest Star Wars movie, which she loved and thought was a feminist film. And she's when I said I didn't like it, she was like, oh, it's because girls were allowed to play with your toys. And I was like, no. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> hope you bad. gave her an earful
2: about Poe Dameron. But... <laughs> <laughs> So, I wish I could teleport to that conversation <laughs> or Kyle could hit a button.
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, Blade Runner 2017,
2: 2049, 2049 is, is visually stunning and uh, yeah, I, I, I. I do get where Kyle's coming Mm -hmm. from. And I can imagine there are certain things where I'm like, oh, this is being really well done and it's beautiful. And it's not resonating with me enough to take it over the top for other things I don't like about it. But I can easily see how for most people, actually.
1: Mm -hmm. I love all three hours of that movie. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. It's three hours long. People are like, oh, run time's long. I'm in it the whole way. Even the Jared Leto scenes, I don't love him, but I love everything that is in that scene. But like the pyramid. But well, you also said it it felt shots. like it was
0: the most in line with the book, this which is, is another too. reason why. Yeah. Uh what do Andrew electric, and electric sheep? sheep
2: yeah. I could imagine someone saying that Oathbringer is too long. Oh, they yeah. had trouble binding it. Yeah, <laughs> as a this book. Is true. But I don't want it to stop and I get like when you when something resonates with you like that, it's like no, let it be as long as the director wants.
0: So now we're bringing it back to me. Yay. And I made the mistake of putting myself last. So if you guys want to guess what mine is.
2: Oathbringer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I should have talked about it less.
0: (laughs) Um, James made a lot of good points about it. Uh, Like you were saying, moments of the sublime. Um, Oathbringer and Brandon Sanderson throughout the Stormlight Archive hits peaks in his writing that he manages to make grander and bigger through each book. And this is a 10-book series. So I'm very curious how he is going to continue to do this. But I, I was too excited for this book. You know, and it made me nervous because I it, I had had it so hyped in my head. I loved the first two. They're part of the reason Kyle and I started this, and James, started this podcast because we all loved these books. Um, and then reading it, and it, it surpassed my expectations. And just his storytelling is so phenomenal. It, the characters are so well-rounded. It, and there's so many of them. And you have so many feelings about even side characters get arcs.
2: How well he writes multiple viewpoints, and how the book, the series, can feel like it has, and it does, have multiple protagonists.
0: And I know George R. R. Martin gets this criticism where it feels like he just kind of recycles characters. Like a new character will come on the scene, but really, it's just I, I like Catelyn Stark. is, yeah. playing, is now this this other character.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sir Davos is sort of Ned Stark if you read the books.
0: And, um. Sanderson doesn't do that. Every character feels so fresh and so different. And he wasn't always this good. I mean, I'm reading Mistborn right now. (laughs) You know, popular opinion. Mistborn is not as good as Stormlight. (laughs) But but it's just wonderful to read an author on top of the game who is writing good fantasy. And it's just so great that fantasy, good fantasy, is still being written. I mean, we're talking about Witchwood Crown. We're talking about Broken Earth. Like, it's fantastic that this genre is, is evolving yeah.
2: evolving doing new things and building on what was good about and that the past. great yeah.
0: writers are writing it. Like it doesn't just have to be this prestige family dinner table drama, which yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. I like some prestige family table dramas. But the great writers are putting their efforts towards expanding this genre.
1: Building I learning I learned in our episode about Oathbringer that it's that the world of Roshar is based on a was it a Mandelbrot set or a Julia set? From a fractal, which is just pretty cool that you're using these mathematics, self similar shapes in your map making. Like, that's a new
2: idea to me, anyway. Shout out to the guys from the 17th shard. Yes, who informed us of
0: that. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I, one more thing I wanted to say about Oathbringer is just that, I mean, Claire mentioned how many characters there are and how different they are from each other. Not only is it a world populated with unique and interesting people, they have magnificent arcs they do detailed, well-built uh, compelling arcs, yeah, that you wonder how like Claire was saying that, you know, each climax outclimaxes the next. Part of that is character development.
0: so now that we uh, have set our top three, really quickly, just listing honorable mentions, James,
2: Baron and Luthian by Christopher Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Because it led me to read The Silmarillion, so I could read the original Baron and Luthien inside of that. Uh, reading J.R.R. Tolkien's Silmarillion helped me to better understand Lord of the Rings, and that helps me to better appreciate all of high fantasy.
0: <laughs> and make you a better person. <laughs> yes.
2: that's it, true. Yes, <laughs> it enriches the life.
0: Scientists say.
2: Yeah.
1: Baron and Luthien is, is, was so beautiful, but it's also such a collector's piece, I feel like. Like, oh, it's right. only for... People who love love Tolkien.
0: Right, but it was also wonderful to have the prancing pony on. Yeah, as oh, our they guest. were great. So um, knowledgeable. Kyle, honorable mention.
1: Um, I'm gonna have to say The Expanse, and the reason that The Expanse didn't make it onto my list is because I think the show was great. It's well acted. It's well written. It's phenomenal. The books are fun, but I don't love those books, mm-hmm. and I and I didn't keep up with them. I keep watching the show, but I'm, I haven't read all the Expanse books because I. I just don't like them that much. I also want to mention uh, Logan. I really,
0: really enjoyed. Oh, episode. Logan's great. Yes. Um, my honorable mentions were The Expanse, which I almost put on my list because as a TV show. It's just so good. I think it's These wonderful. guys are so
2: excited about it. I know, and I know. I know
0: James isn't as into it as we are. I was in
2: a frenzy when I first it. I know. It. it was like this is what TV is supposed to be for yeah. Kyle and Claire. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and Civ 6.
2: Yeah. (laughs) How
1: how many hours you got on on, (laughs) logged on Steam in Civ 6,
2: Claire?
0: I don't know. Tell the truth. Uh, I probably like in the 300s.
2: Yeah. See, this is the thing, folks. If it was just about what piece of media you most engaged with in 2017, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, if it was 2016, for me, it would have to be Overwatch, would have to be
1: on the list, just because the amount of time I put into Overwatch in Mm -hmm.
0: 2016. No, and I love Civ 6, but I don't get quite the moments of sublime
2: mm. that i'm looking for that i'm looking
0: for moments of sublime you just
2: live your life inside civ6 sometimes yeah, with yeah. the usual ups and downs <laughs> yeah. so now
0: we're going to move on we are going to do our quiz where we each get to ask the other two one question from the episode about our favorite topics to see how much we are paying attention really how much we remember because i pay attention i just have a horrible memory that's my excuse. <laughs> so I think this quiz is stacked against me, um, and the That's winner. A conspiracy. <laughs> the winner. Is, what do we get?
1: Lunch. Uh, winner gets free lunch. The losers the, will buy the winner uh, lunch. I guess
0: I'm buying someone lunch. Um, <laughs> so James, <laughs> why don't you go first?
2: Uh, okay. So, um, oh, you know what we didn't work out is uh, how you get to go, how you get to be the one to guess.
0: Ding. I think just ding. Just we'll say ding. ding. Okay. Ding.
2: All right. Uh, well, for monstrous, what 20th century conflict is the conflict ding. in mon- is the conflict in monstrous based on?
1: It's uh, the Japanese invasion of of China, World War II.
2: Yes, the Sino-Japanese War. You
0: did ask easy questions. Yeah, it's Kyle.
2: <laughs> Also, we have to be allowed to finish our. That's questions. That's
0: what I was waiting for. Oh, no. I know. In my thought, segment, I, I knew the answer. Normally,
1: in, in other trivia games, you ding in, and if you well, ding in first, you get to. This isn't
0: other trivia games. games. Also, so, Kyle is writing the score on his hand. In other, where,
1: I I, the, which
0: I think is like kind of suspect.
1: Oh, that he's keeping score? He's already cheating by dinging. really? I scored 20 in that last (laughs) question. I don't know if you know, but it's based on my scoring rules. Right. I don't have the
2: records. He does. It's a very
1: thick rule book uh, that only I know, so you guys just have to trust me. Yeah. Uh, My first question has to do with Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, no. The Evil Dead franchise was created by three people, one being Sam Raimi, another being Bruce Campbell. Who is the third... And for bonus, bonus half point, who is that third person married to?
0: Ding. Lucy Lawless, he's married to. I don't know who he is.
2: James? No idea. Robert Tappert.
1: And yes, Lucy Lawless is who he's married to. I get a half point. So Claire gets a .5 over here
2: on my hand. That could prove critical.
1: (laughs) That could prove critical.
2: And I'm the one that I, like, with Claire, I said, oh, he's definitely picking Ash versus Evil Dead. Did not research it. (laughs) Didn't go back. Sillies.
0: (laughs) Okay, so my question for Monstrous. What studio in Japan inspired Monstrous?
1: Ding. Ghibli. Just a guess. No.
0: It's your segment. Was it really? Yeah.
2: How embarrassing. (laughs) Uh,
1: It's a studio?
0: Yeah. A movie studio.
2: Oh, a movie studio. Well, Ghibli's a movie studio. It was a movie studio in Japan that inspired Monstrous.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, time's up. Do I get a point? No. Okay. <laughs> Toho Studios that made Godzilla.
1: To yeah, I knew. I thought it was oh. people to made Godzilla.
0: And you didn't you just listen to the *Monsters* I couldn't episode? remember. Though. I did. Okay.
2: Last night. <laughs> James,
0: what's
2: your next question. I mean, that was a really specific question. I was going for more. Does the class generally understand what we've discussed this year? <laughs> the big, you know. James is the teacher things. you want. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, Claire's the teacher where you learn. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, I thought this was fun. So for uh, the Witchwood Crown, when Tad Williams was coming back to the series he'd been away from for a long time, how did he manage to get these characters pulled together? Uh, for how they would develop. Well, what was part of his writing process for making sure oh that everyone would be as they should be and develop as they should be? After being away for all those years.
1: Uh, I, his I wife remember was this. the one who told him that they could do that. He, she was like, yeah, yeah, of course you can write this book.
0: Ding. Yes. He read the book. Bu- we had to reread his books.
2: That's part of it. That's half of what he did. It's the other half that I find really fun.
0: Did he write the stories?
2: No. So first half of dealing with these characters that I remember he, wrote he had so to reread his
0: books and it was an issue because he was like these are long. Yeah,
2: because these are too long. Now that he's reading his own work, um, that'll get you to edit. Yeah. Um, but what was the other half? I don't remember. You don't remember either. Kyle? on. Um, give me one second. Five.
0: Makes great podcast. Uh, uh, I can't. Re- I
1: can't remember. I can't remember. He
2: asked his fans. Asked his fans, of course. I I thought he went on the wiki, the fan wiki. Yeah, they were like, hey, guys. I get
0: another half point.
2: And there was, yeah, you get another half point. Now she's got a full point from that. But yeah, so Tad Williams went and said, okay, guys, hey, what is best about these characters? Do you recognize them? Like when he was writing the new ones, he was like, hey, does this make sense for who this is? Because these people who had loved and reread mm, and reread his books right. for years, where he hadn't read them again since, since he wrote yeah, them, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was a complicated way of asking it, but it was something I thought was really cool about the process.
0: Kyle, all
1: right, this is for the fifth season. An alumni of the Carlisle School, or who was this alumni of the Carlisle School? Who was the first Native American to win gold medals for the USA? Bonus name one event he won gold in.
0: Ding,
2: I got there. My segment. Jim Thorpe. Do you know what he won in? Uh, one of the events he won just in was the decathlon. One.
1: Yep. So James is
2: at one point five because <laughs> he can remember what he said a few months ago. <laughs> What's the
0: score! I'm at one. James is at one point five. You're at twenty.
2: I'm at twenty. Yes. Oh, did I have
0: a half point for something? Yeah, because you knew the You just sport. got the bonus.
2: Okay. Oh, excellent! Fantastic. Mm-hmm. What
0: superhero movie was Patty Jenkins inspired by?
1: Ding. Uh, Superman Returns, right? Ding!
2: Ding. <laughs> uh, it was the original Superman yeah. with yeah, Christopher that's, that's Reeve. What I meant. No, you said Superman or Returns, thing. which was that silly movie where Kevin Spacey was Lex Luthor. No, damn! Yeah. it. that's
1: what I meant, though. God, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, Kyle's scoring this, Listen, so we don't know. <laughs> yeah, <that's
1: laughs> exactly. Negative points for James.
2: I'm sure in the rules, it's very clear and explicit why that's happening. I thought it was
1: specifically the second Christopher Reeve Superman.
0: I think it was the original Superman. In the episode, I say the original Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) James.
2: Um,
1: Man, I'm buying you guys lunch, it looks like.
2: (laughs) I just remembered. Uh, So, in the Oathbringer podcast, which was really recent for you guys, um, you described based on Brandon Sanderson's explaining of it, the three types of fantasy that are written and the for bonus points for the bonus half point, name the examples that you gave in the episode of that kind oh, of fantasy. Ding.
0: So Portal Fantasy, Lewis Carroll, gritty fantasy, George R. R. Martin, and then um high fantasy, J. R. R. Tolkien.
2: You got it. One and a half
1: points for Claire. Kyle? Uh, do you guys want to check in with the scores real quick? Sure. So, James is sitting pretty at two and a half. Claire is sitting pretty at two and a half. I have 20. No, I actually have one, but
2: <laughs> okay. I'm
1: getting my ass kicked. All right, let me. So, my last question, which has to do with Blade Runner 2049, which neither of you guys really liked, so I'm hoping you get it wrong. Uh, who wrote the original script for 1981's Blade Runner, who came back to write the script for Blade Runner 2049? Bonus uh, bonus point is, um, according to the script writer, is Rick Deckard a replicant? He So he wrote the original Blade
2: Runner script. I know.
0: I can't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. Mm. He Yeah, he bought the script originally. Um, he the, bought the rights. The rights, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think yes, he's a replicant, according to him.
2: I think no, he's not a replicant, according to him. He never imagined that, uh, but I can't remember his name. James
1: is right. He's um, not a replicant, according to Hampton
2: Fancher. Okay. Oh goodness gracious! That's like the first time I've ever heard those words come together, <laughs> Hampton, Fancher? Hampton Fancher. You think you could remember a man named that?
0: <laughs> okay. What sci-fi author greatly influenced Sanderson's Cosmere?
2: Ding.
1: Isaac Asimov in the Foundation series.
0: Yep. Good job. Good job, Kyle. Do I
1: get 40 points for that? No. I think I do. Well,
2: I'm keeping score, so. Can I do bonus <laughs> points that Isaac Asimov didn't do it from the very beginning, but no. Brandon Sanderson no. did?
0: No, that's not the question. I
2: listened to the episode, too. I just...
0: <laughs> All Can right. I get
1: bonus points for knowing that it was the Foundation series?
0: No, I didn't ask that. <laughs>
1: Gosh, Claire, just bonus question. You are a mean
2: teacher. We're honor roll students. We push for that extra credit. No one gets extra credit. It's
0: unfair. All right, so Kyle, who won?
1: With that half point bonus, James won.
0: Oh, God.
2: Hey, guys, but here's the thing. For all of our listeners. As the producer of this podcast, I have listened to most of these episodes twice. (laughs) To be fair, they did the research and then listened to the other ones say it, but I had to go back and really get in there.
0: Yeah, so we're going to McDonald's, right?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah. That is my favorite restaurant. It is across the street, so super easy. Yeah. It's not my favorite brand. <laughs> They're going to pay through the nose. <laughs> well guys,
0: I hope that you enjoyed this uh, episode about wrapping up 2017. I'm so excited for 2018 yes. and all the fun things we're going to do. Well,
1: we're we'll get started on some actual episodes. Yeah. <laughs> in
0: 2 weeks. Um, and guys, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really and enjoyed, James, this. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And James, despite everything, it was a pleasure having you with us. It was <laughs> a
2: pleasure being here. Thank you very much for having me in here, guys, especially yeah. with all the room I take up. Now I regret it because you won, but...
0: It's true. Oh, man.
2: We have great lunches together.
0: (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. Once again, I'm Claire White.
2: I'm Kyle Willoughby. And I'm James Fowey.
0: And we are Dragon, Sexy Robots, and Adventures, a Nerd Manual. Feel free to contact us on our website at dsrapodcast.com, and we would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes. You can find the show on Twitter at DSRA Podcast. I can be found at Twitter at Along With Claire, that's C L A I R E.
1: I can be found on Twitter at KLEX303, that's K L
2: E X 303. I can be found at James Fowey Jr., that's James F O U H E Y J R.
0: And you can learn more about our favorite topics on our Facebook page and Twitter page, and I'm actually going to repost the episodes over the course of the next few weeks. Ooh. So if you are inspired and want to check them out, please do. Um our producer who is sitting in this closet is James Fowey.
1: It's who is very... the reigning
2: champion uh, of DSRH. I don't like I'm, that. I'll never hear the end of it. And for the record, it is a very fancy recording closet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> our logo is done by Patty Highland, who is probably sitting in a warm house somewhere right now. And our theme is composed by Pete Rowan, who is probably eating cookies right now.
1: Most definitely
0: once again this is dragons sexy robots and adventures a nerd manual thanks for listening and we will see you in two weeks